I love Burn the Haystack because I'm a deep thinker and I like to challenge old traditions to make way for a brighter future. That's also why I chose to get my degree from Avondale University College. With a thriving community of believers, I was able to kickstart my career and grow my faith at the same time. Business, arts, teaching, nursing or ministry. Called to make a difference? Called to be at Avondale. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you know that we have, as one of our founders, a a prophetess by the name of Ellen G. White. And to many Christians, this seems like a really strange thing. Uh, After all, most Christian denominations don't have, as one of their founders, a literal prophetess. So what's the deal? Well, today we are going to be introducing somebody very, very special who is going to tell us all about that. Yeah, we have Dr. John Chapashik with us. He is a Ellen White specialist. We've had lots of people send us in questions and thoughts about reading and understanding Ellen White and John is the guy to go to and we think this is especially important coming off the back of our Reading Scripture Responsibly series. We thought this will tie in really well and you can even use a lot of those same principles to help understand Ellen White better. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. Absolutely. And it is not just us today. We are so privileged to be joined by the one and only Dr. John Shapashik. Nice to see you guys and nice to be invited. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I've been really excited about this ever since we got in contact. Um, so John, yeah, John was actually one of our lecturers while we were at Avondale. Um, so that's how we know. And yeah, he just was a, a fountain of, wis- of wisdom for us, really. So, um, <laughs> hey, John, why don't you just tell uh, our listeners a, a, maybe a little bit about yourself, where the um, they might hear a little bit of an accent, so they might be a little bit curious about your background and all that. Sure. Well, look, originally I was uh, born in Poland. Uh, then uh, my parents migrated to Australia. Uh, so uh, that was our sort of a journey uh, to settle into new culture. Uh, then, uh, so basically most of my early years, uh, I was raised up uh, uh, in Australia. Then uh, when I was around 18, I went back to Europe, uh, stayed there for a while. Then I came back and uh, yes, uh, I've been in Australia uh, up, to, up to date and so on. Uh, Basically, uh, I was involved in pastoral ministry, uh, then in pastoral evangelism ministry uh, for a number of years. Uh, Then uh, the church uh, redirected me to administrative role. I was the ministerial secretary for the North New South Wales Conference personal ministry directors and some director. You know, you don't only get one sort of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. of that stuff. What <laughs> year what, what like. years are we talking about in that role uh, in North New okay, South Wales? Okay, that was uh, the ministerial secretary in North New South Wales conference was around the uh, 2000 to 2004. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then uh, and then after that, uh, I uh, my attention was drawn uh, to, uh, and I've applied for uh, the position that was uh, that opened up at Avondale College, and I was doing my postgraduate uh, studies then, and uh, yeah, interestingly, I was accepted in the position of the director of LNG White Research Center, <laughs> and uh, which uh, I've held for fifteen years. Wow. Wow. That, years. That's a long time. It's a long time, and I think it gave me time to reflect, look back at my journey, at my life, but also look uh, back at the experience, exciting experience of the church, the progressive developments of the church, uh, with all the heartaches, the reality of life, and then... Uh, I've had to challenge myself so 
uh, how does the history of my church uh, relate to my life, mm. to my spiritual journey? So basically, this is what I've experienced uh, just in retrospect. And as you know, at the moment, uh, I've retired now, it's three weeks ago. <laughs> Congratulations. Wow. Three weeks ago, thank you. Uh, and now uh, I'll spend more time in research, uh, writing, and so I will continue the journey from that perspective. So retirement is not exactly retirement. It's not. It's not like a virgin martini by the by the beach sort of thing. <laughs> well, I'll probably play golf a little bit more often. Nice. Gotta have some perks. Put a bit of a sort of uh, different spin to my life experience. <laughs> uh, put more tension on myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't see myself just sort of pulling back and away uh, from the exciting adventure of knowing God mm. and how our experience with God applies to life's journey. Mm. It's an ongoing learning. Mm. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember, my main focus in class was John 17, verse 3, and this is life eternal, hmm. that they may know you, the only true God. Wow. Hmm. And so, you know, you can't step away from it. You can't disengage. Yeah. It, it thrives you. It, 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 it motivates you to know more and how to apply it to the reality of the changing world around us mm. Mm -hmm. yeah the, the world is changing pretty rapidly at the moment isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah I, I don't know that's really encouraging because i think um you know both jesse and i are still pro probably at the the early the outset of our our career um in ministry and and so you know we've only been almost five years in professional ministry now so it's kind of cool to see you know you're just at the end but for you it's it's not you're not even painting it as the end. You're just painting it as like, this is like the next chapter and, and next adventure. And I love that that mindset, you know, that's really encouraging and exciting to me as somebody who's starting. See, I, I, think, I think what I'm looking forward to, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. Time where I can think and reflect. Most of my research and my work uh, was done on the run. Mm. because of my commitments uh, and uh, to research to reflect thoughtfully you need block spaces of time and i think that's what i'm looking forward to uh, to just reflect uh, to put into some sort of perspective some of the ideas that i'm sort of uh, playing with mm. Mm. um speaking of some of those ideas i, I think we would be somewhat remiss not to at least spend like a moment uh, on the outset on sort of the, the way the world is right now. Um, we are sort of, you know, talking about this conversation in a very specific moment in time. And if somebody's listening to this podcast in a year or two, maybe this isn't going to seem quite so important. But one of the things that I have reflected on in uh, the past few months has been a renewed interest um, for better or for worse in the <laughs> in the teachings uh, of Ellen White specifically as well as just general Christians um, abroad. What have you uh, noticed, John, about sort of the last few months, the global pandemic and what what is that doing to people um, especially on Facebook. Um, what, what's, <laughs> what have you been noticing? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I was frustrated. I, I'm quite honest with you and upfront. Mm. I was frustrated uh, because I, I, I'm noticing that many people jump on the uh, conspiracy theory bandwagon. Yeah. And uh, it's creating a range of speculative assumptions about the future. And this is the reason why I wrote uh, this uh, article titled The Essence of the Prophetic Voice. Now, in my opening statements, I wrote the following. Let me share it with you. In the past three months, the questions I received about the last day events caused me to wonder whether we truly believe God is in control 
or our future is molded by the fancy of speculative assumptions. Social media is filled with topics that seem intended to scare people to heaven. Quotes from Ellen White's writings are used out of context to support personal conjectures. Now, I was frustrated with that because with that, I've asked the question, so what is the essence of the prophetic voice? If God raised a prophetic voice in the 19th century, what is its purpose and how does it relate for us today? Hmm. Those are some of the things that I've experienced uh, in the context of the current pandemic. Hmm. Hmm. So in your view... So let's 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 dial in on that because it's going to lead yeah. us into this generalized conversation about Ellen White, the prophetic voice that she represents. Yeah. So, okay, Pete, can you can you define for us sort of um, very specifically the frustration point for you, uh, which most of us who are listening can pretty well identify without too much you know beating around the bush, and then can you? Yeah contrast that with where you see us needing to be in in relation to the whole conversation okay now i really believe i really believe that god raised a prophetic voice for a specific purpose now we need to discover what the purpose is all about now, what has happened in our church history, right from the very beginning, okay, we had uh, two groups of people who began sort of to question and criticize the emergence of the prophetic voice, and there was another group who began to defend, and we developed an umbrella of polemical discussions, firing at each other backwards and forwards, and in that context, we have lost the focus on what it's all about. How does the prophetic voice fit into the life's journey, to the reality of the questions that I have? For example, the reality, uh, is God really with us? Is God in control? And mm. uh, what's happening around us? Uh, and you know, I believe we need to regain a new insight how God used that prophetic voice through history to provide comfort and encouragement and motivation to move on that journey towards a destination, which is the promised second coming. Hmm. Hmm. And this is my frustrations because I see this ongoing tension. So if you're a, an apologist or an opponent, you're kind of missing yes. the point. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think sometimes people, because we are defending or we are criticizing, we're creating two opposing camps. Mm. Okay, mm. and so we have missed the point. And in fact, if you look at the progressive growth of our church history development, it's a journey on the run through mm. the reality of the changing world and the issues that they had to confront. Okay, and in that context, they had, they had to retain the conviction: Hey, yeah, God is there with us and for us in individual life and in history. But uh, we seem sort of to move into uh, these polemical discussions, defending, you know, and 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 don't misunderstand me. I believe understanding inspiration is important. Understanding hermeneutics is important. But my question is, how does that apply to my spiritual life's journey? Hmm. My conviction that God is there for me. Hmm. And for example, uh, in one of the biblical perspectives that I have suggested, the prophetic voice provides a pathway of secure inspirational focus that nurtures our spiritual life. It imparts comfort, encouragement, and hope secure in the reliability of the prophetic message. And I think I think this is the progressive journey that Ellen White experienced as an inspired writer. Mm. Right. It was a dynamic, progressive development of her comprehension of God's unconditional love. 
Mm. And maybe later on, I will share with you some insight how practically it, it emerges in, in, in our church history. Yeah, that's exciting. I like that. Uh, yeah. I, so if I'm hearing you, if I'm hearing you right, it's rather than the prophetic voice being used to stagnate, condemn, and you know, sort of bring fear. It's actually meant to be for us to take the next step in understanding the hope we have in Jesus and to bring about that comfort that He has it all in control. Yeah, to draw us into a closer relationship with Jesus. Mm. Right. Yeah. Through the study of the Bible. Hmm. And, the that's, study of the Bible. and that's the important and, and, yeah. that's the important piece though, isn't it? It's not that that's Ellen White is it's not the end, it's the it's the means to the end. To to the end. And and, and for example, uh, in, in the context of, of the current situation, people uh, use Ellen White's quotations. Uh, there was even one uh, a quotation that I've noticed uh, on Facebook taken from Minister of Healing, uh, suggesting that Ellen White was against wearing of the masks, you know, the face mask. <laughs> oh, oh, really? And, and the quotations was from Minister of Healing. And I'm saying, this is ridiculous. I, people have no concept, okay, what that message was all about. Yeah. Goodness. Well, so those are some of my frustrations. <laughs> yeah, I can see. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Well, hey, so let's 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 dive into it then. I guess how how do you think? I mean, Ellen White is uh, for for those of you who may not be familiar, she's um, you know we class her as a prophetess in our church, and she was a co-founder of our entire denomination. Um, so pretty big deal in history. Um, but I guess if we just start on how how do you think we as Adventist Christians like should relate to Ellen White in her capacity in that role as being a prophetess. Okay. That's a good question, and uh, let me let me be quite open and brief. I believe that Ellen White, in her role, was a spiritual voice for the church, inspired, an inspirational nurturer of faith. Unfortunately, the way we often use her, we change that role into a prescriptive authoritarian. So we use quotations left and right out of context and apply them randomly of how, however, uh, whatever, uh, whatever ideas we want to support without understanding the whole big sort of picture uh, of uh, what did her specific uh, statement meant at that time mm. in that context? In fact, I would like to suggest to you that the, 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 all the letters that she wrote, all the manuscripts that she wrote, all the books that she wrote, actually, behind all that, there is a story. Mm. There's a story. And I think we need to recapture the flow of that story to make it meaningful, to suggest to people that... You know, uh, the prophetic voice, okay, is given for a specific and, and a purpose to nurture the spiritual condition of the church, to draw them back into a relationship with God. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that, that would sound quite surprising, I would say, to your average Adventist who probably wouldn't agree with that definition. They would probably, they may not, or they may not necessarily disagree, but they might say, wait, isn't the prophetic voice to, in order to tell me what is going to happen in the end of all things, isn't that what the prophetic voice is primarily supposed to do? Uh, yes, I agree. Most of the, uh, the largest spectrum of, of, uh, of people in our faith tradition will probably succumb to that sort of view. Uh, but I think they're missing the point, one important point, that uh, while Ellen White was actually creating a scene of a apocalyptic realism it's happening now it's happening now be ready for the second coming of jesus mm. this was the main actually focus of the apocalyptic writers be ready now but at the same time 
what generally people miss that there's another developmental stage going through that life's journey where people are confronting life in the changing world mm. so she is actually saying be ready now okay but plan as if he would come in thousand years mm. because the journey will continue and i will demonstrate to you historically actually that this is how god nurtured the church in that way he was preparing the movement for life that they did not even understand <laughs> now imagine that up to about 1860 and even more our pioneers believed that jesus would come at any time mm -hmm. they were just waiting for him now uh, you've got the prophetic voice that now uh, challenges them Hey, 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 hang on a minute. Maybe you need to refocus on something. And I think there are those stages out there. There's certain critical periods around 1960, 1900s, where we can see that Ellen White's emphasis as that prophetic, inspirational voice changes. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's exciting. And I wish, I wish that my church would embrace that view rather than getting these little pockets of quotations. Understand the story of mm. God's leading, the passion of God's love for humanity, and how God used that prophetic voice to help her grow in understanding of what it means to be fully immersed in God's unconditional love. Mm. Mm. Well, I think, I'm not sure what the, I think there could even be a bigger, like a, a a bigger problem because you know people sort of do the same thing just with the bible that whole proof texting thing they just they like to pull quote like different verses here and there and, and use them for their own i don't know their own purpose their own whatever they think is going on do you th maybe it's like a little bit of laziness because it actually maybe would take a bit of work to understand the story of the bible and the story of ellen white you know like understanding that before you pull a quote out whereas some people i think like the ability to just be like oh, let's get that one for Ministry of Healing because I don't want to wear a mask and slam it on Facebook. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. I haven't seen yeah. the quote, so I don't know what, what the quote is. But anyway. <laughs> See, it's, it's easy to take the quote and apply it however you want it and say, this is what she says. Yeah. Now, let, let me give you a couple of references. In 1901, okay, uh, Ellen White wrote the following. The Lord desires you to study your Bible. He has not given any additional light to take place of his word. Further, she understood that her relationship to the authority, she understood actually her own relationship to the authority of the Bible. The spirit was not given, nor can it be bestowed to supersede the Bible. For the scripture explicitly states that the word of God is the standard by which all teachings and experience must be tested. Hmm. So you see, her prophetic role, prophetic role of that was, was to move people back to the study of the Bible and to understand the principles of the Bible. Now, what I would like to suggest to you, what Ellen White does in, in, in her major works, he ta she takes the biblical principles and she applies them to the concept of her life's journey to the context of the journey of the church for now and for the future so she is a thinker she mm. is an innovative thinker mm. but her her prophetic actually inspiration is immersed in the bible <laughs> she was a student of the bible yeah. Yeah. Now, imagine that during that time, 19th century, there were many voices pulling people in all directions in the society mm. and in the spiritual realm. And so God is trying to take us back into the Word of God, to the study of the Bible, and be a thinker. And then if you're a thinker, you will have to apply the principles. And you're right. I quite agree with you, Joshua. It's far more easier to take a black and white statement and apply it rather than be a thinker. Yep. Because then you've got to use your brains. <laughs> Who wants to do that, right? Uh, what's the matter? I mean, we, I mean let's, let's be real. I mean, nowadays, if you want to get information, what do you do? I, I do it. What do you do? Yeah, it's Google. Google it. Yeah. 
you don't have to think. Yeah. You Google it. My <laughs> wife gets upset because we drive somewhere and the voice in my car says, go this and this direction. <laughs> I don't have to think. Yeah. <laughs> I just go where I'm told. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so those are some of the issues that we have developed. Mm. You know, I you kind of answered my next question because I, I really did want to ask you about our our response to Ellen White in the view of like sola scriptura, you know, but I think you've already pretty well covered that spot. One of the things that I did want to ask you about was um you mentioned, you know, that people tend to fall into one of two camps, the defenders or the critics. Um, yeah. I would say, I, look, I, I don't want to I don't want to take too much of a, an assumption about our particular audience, but I would say probably of our audience, the majority of them um, are probably not in that defenders camp. Probably most of them are in that critic camp. Um, I don't know. If, do you think that's accurate, Josh? I think so. Like, I think we do have, de we definitely have some defenders in yes. our audience. And, you know, if you would class yourself in that camp, we love you. Thank you for listening. But I would definitely say most of them are probably the others. Right. So, just from our interactions with people anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So then my, my question would be, uh, you know, I'm sure you've come across many, many people sort of in that camp in your life, John. Uh, if you were sitting down with somebody and they said, look, come on, Ellen White, you know, we have the the biblical prophets, you know. We we have the stuff. We can find it in the Bible. Why do we need another one? You know, what what is the point of a nineteenth century modern contemporary prophet? Uh, is that even biblical? Is that even you know? What's what's sort of your response to those sorts of those people? Uh, look, it's a really good question. It's a really good question, and. Uh, if I could just digress a little bit and add another space, uh, which probably uh, we have not considered, that we do have a lot of people, uh, especially in the in the younger generation, that are not acquainted with the story of our heritage. Mm. I okay. think that's true. Yep. So uh, they 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 sometimes don't see the necessity. Okay, uh, of uh, of that voice uh, in relation, you know, to the story of our heritage. Um, but coming back to your question, look, uh, I think it's 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 a tough one. I probably wouldn't argue because I I respect people's opinions. Okay, I wouldn't yeah. argue, but I would try actually to help them rediscover. Uh, the story of the journey and the purpose, okay, how or, or how to recognize God's purpose in human life and experience and in the world at large. Now, one of the questions, whatever we think about the prophetic voice, one of the questions that we struggle with today, some, and I'm quite open when you sometimes I get up in the morning and I ask the question, you know, is God real? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I see millions of children dying. Mm. I see slavery flourishing. I see all those other issues. My friends, my neighbors confront, confronted with unexpected challenges. And the first questions that come to my mind, where is God in all this? Mm. And I think I think this is why uh, I'm suggesting that uh, we need to bring the discussion back into the context of the, the reality of life, the experience. Is there a need or is there, was there a need for God to raise a prophetic voice, okay? Simply to assure us, okay, that through the journey of life, through all the circumstances that we go through, we can have an implicit trust and confidence in God. That's, I think, is the purpose of that voice. Hmm. You see, when when I think about, and if you remember some of the classes that we've had, for example, Ellen White, it's not just a matter that God dictates, go and tell and so on. She experienced the reality of life just as we do. As a young girl, as a young mother, she lost her uh, firstborn uh, a young baby. Okay, 
James was away from home. Uh, he wrote a letter to his wife. Is everything okay? She says, yes, honey, everything is okay. The next day, the nameless baby is born. It, it, it was taken ill. And you hear the story, if you, if you read her autobiography, you read the story of mother's pain. Then she said, at the graves, she prays for healing. Nothing happens. Then at the graveside, okay, she says, I nearly fainted, but life had to move on. I had to continue the journey. So you've got so many different stories where the prophetic voice uh, is taken beyond the statements that we read and so on. You see... God does not speak to us in divine language. God speaks to us in human language so that we can identify with the trauma of human life and at the same time uplift our faith to Him in, and have confidence that He is there for us. Hmm. You see, this is the essence of the prophetic voice. Hmm. So hmm. I wouldn't probably argue, uh, Jess, I wouldn't argue but I would, I would try to redirect the story, you know, to the real, to some of the struggles that we have. Mm. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, I've lost my neighbor. On Saturday morning, I'm speaking to the guy, just a man in his 40s. I'm speaking to him on Saturday morning. I came back home from the church. His friends came over, and they were distraught, and, and, and they saying, I said to them, uh, what's happening? What's the story? Well, Rob had a massive heart attack. Oh. He's in hospital. I rushed to the hospital. When I got there, uh, life was over. Left oh. two little girls, oh. distraught wife, unexpected. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And in the context of that, how do we deal with it? And I think this is the passion and the story that God tried to provide for us through that prophetic voice. So prophetic voice is not just about foretelling the future. And can I, can I come back to you at this point? Because we, we're going to talk about the, the, the principles, I think, of hermeneutics. And they're quite simple. Study the general teachings, consider time and place, discover the basic principles, and then say, okay, how, what does it mean for us today? Mm. But I'm saying that there's something more, something far more deeper, and I refer to it as apocalyptic hermeneutics. It's not interpretation of prophecy, but it's the concept that the prophetic uh, apocalyptic writers, the biblical apocalyptic writers, had a specific purpose. Let me give you a few examples. It was to remind people about the trustworthiness of God's messianic promises and the final restoration. To nurture the spiritual condition of God's people to restore a sense of identity and purpose in life, to provide motivation for mission in the context of human brokenness, to share justice and fairness, to transmit the reality of God's presence in human life and history. Hmm. Can you see what I'm saying? Hmm. So I'm stepping out of the immediate and I'm saying, hey, so what's the big picture that God intends us to hear through that voice? Hmm. Now, from that perspective, the contextual experiences take a different meaning. And I'll give an example as we'll continue the story. Mm. How it happened in the life and ministry of Ellen White. Mm. She was an inspira spiritual inspiration for the church. Mm. It, it almost seems that um, the early church, uh, early SDA church, at least, you know, we had our founders who were continually grappling with this newly developing um, what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, yeah. from the early the early years of many of them being anti-Trinitarian to, you know, having to deal with righteousness by faith and all of these incredibly difficult issues. It almost, when I'm listening to you, I'm kind of thinking, man, did God gift us Ellen White to help guide and steer the church continually, though we know she didn't always get it right and she was human and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's almost yeah. like God was using her as a guiding hand to to move the church where it needed to go in that particular moment. 
Yeah, I, I, you've got, you, you, you're right on the spot, I think. You see, God didn't use Ellen White to help the church develop theological understanding. Our theology is solidly based on the authority of the scripture. However, what you're saying is quite, uh, uh, quite relevant and important because as you, as you, as you know, the, the development of our theology happened in the context of quite set experiences. For example, if you, even James White, uh, 1863, uh, during the early stage, uh, he became so disenchanted in his ministry because of criticism and so on, that he could not forgive. Wow. And God gave Ellen White a vision, 1963. And, in, and, and said to her, well, listen, your husband needs to focus on Jesus so that he can forgive like Jesus did. 1988, our pioneers were squabbling. And Ellen White is saying to them, well, it's not just the theology that God requires, correct theology that God requires. He challenged you, you. To, to actually focus whether you know the God of this theology. Mm. 1901, 1902, we squabbled again in area of administra administrative responsibilities. Ellen White is providing this nurturing spiritual sort of direction. Okay, now what is interesting, what is interesting that uh, this is why she was disliked by many leaders. She was disliked. This is one of the reasons why she came down to Australia. It was suggested to her. Now, she did receive an invitation. But if you read the context of the story and decisions made at the General Conference, it's quite clear that it was suggested to her to move, to, to move down under to do some missionary work. It was, it was a way of, hey, hey let's, let's, let's remove this voice away from us. Right. And why? But you could not shut the voice that inspired people to spiritual life because in here she again inspired the church to new visionary direction in spirituality mm. so i agree with you just she she was up there nurturing the spiritual tone of the church mm. and that's why she said my responsibility is to point people to the authority of the bible it's quite interesting when often when people ask me to take a service, uh, they expect me to preach about Ellen White. Yep. And during the divine service, I usually say to them, well, look, I'm sorry, but you will be somewhat disappointed. <laughs> I'm not going to preach about Ellen White. I'm going to do what she generally did. She opened the word of God and she preached from the Bible. Can you see my point? Mm. Mm. She preached from the Bible. That's, yeah, that's all we want more of, right? I, I think, so, so many people have these maybe misconceptions about Ellen White and maybe even some of her writings have been totally misunderstood by people and it might have been a real big, you know, they, they don't want to read her anymore because of it. Um, so, can we get, do you reckon we could get practical? I mean, you kind of mentioned it a bit already, but... Um, maybe just diving in a little bit about like tools we could use to exegete her her writings um and as well i mean i think a big problem is there's so much of her writings you know it's yeah. there's heaps of i didn't you know i remember i didn't actually realize how much there was until i was at avondale and there's that shelf in the library and it's like all of her writings written out and i was like blown away how much there was yeah. um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. How, how, how do we navigate all of that? Is there best places to start, all that kind of thing? Or Okay, well, I, I think there are a couple of important things. I, I think it's really important for you, for people to understand her life story. Mm. What does she say about her life's journey? That's, that, that's a must. I mean, you know, how can you, how can you evaluate the authenticity of someone's life if you just read a statement here and there or a book here and there. You True. need to understand how they've experienced life, uh, the authenticity of their experience. 
So that's number one. Okay. I would encourage people to acquaint themselves with her simple life story. What was it like for her? Okay. However, then, then, and I think there's some emerging sort of uh, uh, publications now, uh, but let me suggest something to you. Uh, in spite of the plethora of writings, the letters, the manuscripts, uh, the uh, testimonies to the churches uh, where she sort of in, inspired the spirituality, I think people need to understand the big picture of Ellen White as a literary writer. Okay, let me give you an example. In 1858, in the context of the emerging civil war, now civil war in United States commenced in 1861 till 1865. In 1858, Ellen White received uh, one of the longest vision, two-hour vision, about uh, the great controversy theme, the reality of the conflict between good and evil. When she came out of the vision, uh, she was, uh, uh, she said that, uh, I have seen sins which were presented to me 10 years ago. So God was nurturing him with the reality of the conflict between good and evil from the beginning to the very end. However, in 1858, he challenged her to write it down, to, to begin to write it down. Okay, now, mm -hmm. email. So she began to write and unfold the story of the conflict between good and evil. Two little volumes expanded to another two little volumes in 1864, expanded a little bit more through 1870s and 1980s, and then in 1888, she published the first volume of that book that is known to us today, The Great Controversy Between Christ and Satan. However, she's not writing as a historian, as right. she was not writing as a theologian. Mm. Are you with me? Mm. Mm -hmm. She's not writing as a historian. God challenged her to confront the church with the ongoing reality of the conflict between good and evil, and just suggesting to people, hey, in that conflict, you have the freedom of choice. Mm. Choose be on one side or on the other side. Now, Here's the interesting thing is that between 1998 and 1911, before the republication of the book, The Great Controversy, okay, Ellen White wrote the majority of the important books that we have now on hand, around 26 volumes. Now that's age 64 to 84. Are you with me? Mm. So there's still hope for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 64 to 84. Now, wow. my question was, what is the connection between the great controversy theme and the books that she wrote during this period, like Steps to Christ, Thoughts of the Mount of Blessings, the Desire of Ages, Christ's Objects Lessons, Education, Minister of Healing, quite a lot of stuff. And guess what I've discovered? When I began to analyze, when I began to analyze those volumes, I've discovered that beside pointing us to the Bible and to Jesus, there are four themes, significant themes, spiritual authenticity, genuine relationships, identity, who are you, what value do you place on yourself? Okay, and professional development. Because of the value that you have, develop the best abilities in your life for God's sake. That's why the book Education commences. Education is not only preparation for service in this life, listen, but in the life to come. What an inspirational thought. We're not only doing things for now, but we need to look at it from a bigger perspective, from the perspective of eternity. Mm. 
Now, that's a kind of an inspiration. So what I'm trying to suggest to you is that if I look at Ellen White as a literary writer, I can see a motif or specific sort of direction which is being shaped. Okay, She confronts the church with the ongoing reality of the conflict between good and evil, but life will go on. And I would like to suggest to you that she is preparing the church for life in the changing world. And just think about it. Spiritual authenticity, genuine relationships, identity, professional development. Are those topics relevant today? 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> now, this is something that we have missed, you see. And that's what I'm trying to say is you need to understand the, the, the bulk of the emphasis of that prophetic voice, the essence of the prophetic voice. Hmm. It's hmm. not just a statement here and there. You need to see it in the framework of the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing, um, sort of an adjacent question is around yeah. Ellen White as a literary figure, but also as a figure who changes her view and grows over time. How are we to relate to to that part of her, the part of her that wasn't the same in 1863 as she was in 1902 or whatever? Yeah, not a problem. Because God used her as a tool, tool of nurture for the church. And God also allowed her, God did not dictate to her the theology of the church. Mm. God did not dictate to her. However, she nurtured. In fact, you know, if you look at the whole develop, the theological development of, of our church, it's quite interesting that when, as our pioneers were developing their understanding, Ellen White was standing by growing with them and nurturing them. And from time to time, when she received the vision, it was very similar, okay? And the language is very similar to what the pioneers are already discovering, just as if to say to them, hey, I'm nudging you, you're on the right track, keep on going, keep on going, <laughs> keep on going. So you see, this is, the, this is so scary for people because we see Ellen White as a sort of like inspired writer, God dictates, there she is, she's always right. She mm. was not always, she was growing in her understanding. Let me give you an example. You probably remember that 1898, during this uh, confusion about righteousness by faith and the law in Galatians, okay, uh, the pioneers uh, uh, wanted to use uh, uh, her statement from 30 years ago where she disagreed on what the law of Galatians was all about. And then they couldn't find this manuscript during 1998. And she said later on, I cannot sort of make a position on the statement, okay, because I need to study the Bible. And uh, she said it was providential that they didn't find the statement from 30 years ago, because I need to study it again. So mm. she changes her view, okay? And then several years later, she came to the conclusion that's what Wagner and Jones promoted as the law in Galatians being both ceremonial and moral, she said, yeah, I agree with that. So she had to study the Bible. Hmm. God did not take away from her as an inspired writer. God did not take away from her the pleasure of studying the scripture. Hmm. In fact, she's a role model of what it means to be immersed in scripture. I think that's so important because, you know, I think we as a church in many ways haven't even figured out what we believe on biblical inspiration, let alone inspiration as yeah. it relates to Ellen White. But I think, you know, it, it would be useful uh, for our listeners to just dwell on that, that thought that you just shared. The fact that she is, was a person who grew and developed and had to study over time. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's this shattering of the idea of she's this, sort of stone tablet, you know, we often think of the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God and it's this immutable, immovable um, stone sort of, it just doesn't change or morph or it's not flexible, but that's just not what it is at all. Um, 
I think that's so important because I think that really challenges many of our preconceived views on not just Ellen White, but also the whole of scripture. Yeah. Uh, look, let, let me read you one statement uh, from that recent article. In the context of her progressive understanding of God's unconditional love. Now, remember, she came from a Wesleyan Methodist background. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, her understanding progressively matured. Okay. But with that maturity, she began to see a different purpose of God's intended uh, vision for the church. So she's growing in the, and, and that's why I think the years uh, that she spent in Australia were a blessing for her because she moved away from the immediate context, remember? And she came here down under to mm. a mission field. And it's quite interesting, guys, it's quite interesting that it's 1900, okay, that Ellen White began to change, embrace a different view of mission. Do you know what she was saying? She was challenging or calling for a total inclusive engagement of pastors, medical doctors, nurses, teachers, students, and every and people from every profession of work of life to share the knowledge of Jesus. Not only through the preaching, but through the deeds of kindness. So she's changing. Mm. She's changing. She's, she's, she's developing a bigger dimension of God's unconditional love, which needs to embrace of God. And that's why I'm referring to, uh, to actually to her. Uh, let, let me just share with you some of the words that I use. Um, uh, okay. Uh, she, uh, by the voice, by her voice, by the voice of the inspired visionary thinker, it may be concluded that she was not only structuring external, uh, structuring external walls of bricks and mortars of the institutions, but her voice ignited a fire of innovative experimentation and application of God's love in the changing world. This is the legacy that she left. Mm. Mm. On a separate note, maybe there's something in the water at Kurenbong as well. Maybe there's something there. <laughs> something in the water, mate. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Um, so, in a way, then, I guess just on that, is it almost? Mm, I don't know how to. I don't know if I'm wording this right. Or if I could get someone in trouble, but is it almost worth like reading more and focusing more on her later writings to see where she sort of landed, and then looking at how she got there? Rather, you know what I mean? Is it because you yeah. kind of get to see the end of the journey rather than if you're only reading stuff from early on, you you might not get the full picture. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of people do that. That go, they go back to the early stages, and they say this is where we need to go back. Not without realize, uh, without uh, without realizing that actually, our pioneers, including Ellen White, experience a progressive development of views. Mm-hmm. And we we love to see it and then apply them. And then apply them to the changing world around them. Mm. Okay. And th- now coming back, uh, Josh, to your to your point, uh, I would probably encourage people to take a simple book like, for example, Steps to Christ. Browse through it, and ask a question. Does that book enhances? my spiritual journey with Jesus? Does it direct me to the Bible? And if not, then throw it away. (laughs) Throw it away. But what usually people discover, that the spiritual blessings, okay, that I shared there, the experiences, uh, let, let me give you again one example of, of, of her struggles. Now, she is aged now. She arrived in Australia in uh, December 1891, 1892, became the most disheartening experience in her life. She is in the new land, just trying to put together 
why she's here, what's the purpose. And she became very ill to the point that she could not function. And as you read the story in her letters, it's a quite fascinating story because first of all, you hear the voice of human struggle. God, where are you? Why am I here? What am I doing? I want to complete writing on the life of Christ and, and I, I can't even move. Doctors suggested that she would not walk again. And she struggles, she struggles right through. She cannot, she cannot sleep during the night. That halfway through this, through this cycle, okay, she began to focus on this one specific story in the Bible. The story of Martha, Mary and Lazarus. And the sisters called to Jesus, come and help us, we need you. Jesus does not come at once. And then as she began to apply that in her own life, she says, well, Jesus does not always come at once immediately. Sometimes we have to struggle. And then at the end of the time, she goes to that experience, what it means to trust in God's promises. Uh, can you see how those stories relate to her? And then she conveys, and, and in, in fact, when you read the chapter in the book Desire of Ages about the story of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, it is very similar to the experiences that she actually conveys through her letters and manuscripts. So this inspiration, concept of inspiration, comes through the pain of human experience, guys. Mm. Now, some people may disagree with me because they seem to be very concrete, but let's rethink that. Mm. How does God communicate with us? And from the perspective of Ellen White, what does she want us to, to hear? So, Josh, uh, I would say, you know, I would encourage them to, to read, read the books uh, uh, that uh, she wrote later in her life on and the, the, the spiritual component. But also, I would encourage them to understand the bigger picture of history hmm. and how God functions through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess even if people like it's, it's nothing else to people. At least the entire story of the heritage of our church is actually a super encouraging and engaging story of how God works with people. Um, so I guess okay. Last question, uh, I think for from me for for today um oh, this has been so good but i guess and we touched on this at the beginning but i guess f for you what do you think like what what are your hopes as somebody who spent so much time going in depth with the writings of ellen white and the heritage heritage of our church and all of those sort of things and seeing how our church has used them what are you hoping to see in the future of how we connect to to her writings and how we connect to our heritage as a church and um, yeah, how her writings are brought up, all of those sort of things. What what do you want? What would you personally want to see in our, in the future of our church for how we do that? First of all, I would love to see. You see, in my in my fifteen years of work in the research center and communicating with the church. Initially, when I started in the research center, I still received questions like, what does Ellen White have to say about cheese, these, that, and the other? Yeah. And, you know, I began to wonder, you know, man, uh, well, what is it all about? What, where is my church at? As if that was the most important issue in, in people's <laughs> life, you know? And, and I appreciate people's questions, but by the way, uh, when people came to Ellen White, with some unreasonable questions. You know what you, she used to say to them? Why don't you use your common sense? <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a painfully obvious, obvious answer. Yeah, why, why don't you use your common sense? Okay, now what I, would, what I would love to see my church to recapture that spiritual component and motivational direction. Uh, I, grew up, uh, I grew up in a pastoral home and I remember we had Ellen White for breakfast, lunch, and, and tea. That put me off, you know? Mm. I wish, I wish I understood back then someone would explain to me back then what it means to understand the voice of someone who's been called by God mm. for a specific purpose. I had to go through the trauma 
or for example pushing it away and then embracing it again saying i really want to know what it's all about from a visionary inspirational perspective i see in my work at the center i've also i've also heard voices of young people saying i don't want to hear anything about it because i've been criticized by ellen white ellen white this ellen white that and ellen white the other now this is not the kind of ellen white that i that i see today she was not like that young people enjoyed to be in her presence wow she was full of fun mm. she enjoyed colors beauty splendor of god's creation what i would love to see is something very simple let's refocus this voice of her intended purpose and that is to take us back into the presence of jesus to her life and experience and then I think I wish my church uh, in, in those years in those years in the center I have never received a question and never and no one asked me the question John so what does Ellen White say about healthy relationships hmm. about spiritual life maybe that's so threatening I don't know but what I would love to see that for my church to refocus on that personal spiritual growth how does ellen white actually nurture that personal spiritual growth how does she enhances our understanding of healthy interpersonal relationships do you know i mean of all people john kellock was the most interesting character that lived but she referred to she didn't agree with him but she called him her trustworthy friend Mm. She didn't agree mm. with him, but she was able to communicate with him to the very end. Yeah, wow. It's mm. only at one point when he said, Ellen White believes as I do, that she said, no, 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 don't, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go that far. Yeah. And then the final, uh, Josh, point is uh, the guiding principles. What are some of those guiding principles, biblical principles that she used? in order that we may apply them in our spiritual sort of life in the challenges that we have around us so basically the questions that i would like my church to ask is how do i maintain love relationship with jesus how do i help others to see jesus in my life and how do i apply god's covenant promises to life's journey so that i may nurture the community around me. Hmm. We live in a world that is full of pain and hurt. We need hope. Hmm. We need hope. Wow. And I believe True. that the correct understanding at least to some, I, I'm not saying that I have it all together. I'm still researching and working. But let me tell you, let me tell you, this is what I have discovered, the simplicity of it all, not the complexity, the simplicity. Now, when God speaks, do you think that he will complicate things for us? When he came in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve, when he touched the dirt of human life, he just said to them, hey, listen, don't struggle, I'm here. Let's talk together. I have hope for you so that you can walk together in harmony and wait for the coming Messiah. And I think Jesus, Ellen White is encouraging us to wait with this hope, not in the realm of speculations, but in the realm of hope for the second coming of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, if you were to ask me, how do I see the world around me? I really believe that Jesus will come soon. But I don't want to speculate mm. right. because he's calling me to mission and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. And may I suggest to you one more heresy of mine. <laughs> Go for it. We often, we often think that the, that the, that the, you know, the evil things will dominate to such an extent that the world will fall apart. Quite possibly, yeah. Because the world is falling apart. But let me tell you, 
and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the world, and then the end will come. The end is not associated with evil, but with God who will butt into the reality of life again in this new way. Your sons and daughters will see visions and dreams. There will be a movement of people with prophetic gift and voice that will again assure people that God is real. Hang in there. That's good. That's good. <laughs> really good. Sorry, guys. I got carried away. <laughs> That was good, man. I feel good. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's a good place. Uh, that's a good place to to land the boat, land the ship, land the plane. Plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we would love to hear all your feedback and um, thoughts that you have today on, t- on today's episode. Um, hey, uh, John, if people want to get in contact with you. Is there, a, is there a best place to do so about yeah, the, look, some of the ideas? I'm still on the college uh, email address. Okay. It's uh, john.shipashek, spelled with S-K-R-Z-Y, P-A-S-Z-E-K at evandale.edu.au. Just make sure that they don't spell it as shipwreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the capital yeah. sin. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, if people, I don't know, you might have questions about this. Um, we'd love to hear all of your feedback, people. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And if you want to know anything more about Burn the Haystack and what we do, the best place for all things Burn the Haystack is, of course, burnthehaystack.org. That's the place to go. That's Jesse? right. Um, yep. And if you haven't already, uh, subscribe. We're going to be at you every week for the foreseeable future with wonderful interviews and episodes just like the one you just listened to. And if you want to help us out a little bit more, uh, you can leave a rating, a review, or uh, buy some of our merch. And you can find all of that at burnthehaystack.org. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. That is Josh and Jesse and John out. Thank you.